0: Welcome back
1: to the third episode of Just Your Avid Fans podcast. We have a lot to go over, but first let's start with the Ohio State basketball team, boys. What were your impressions of the game against Xavier and how is the team looking now and what should they prepare for the future?
0: So obviously, this is one of the first games of the season and OSU's first real test. It was their first road game, but I think something that stood out throughout the game was a general lack of presence in the backcourt. We we are we are still dealing with replacing CJ Walker and Dwayne Washington Jr. from last year, and Michi Johnson. Stepped up. He had a very nice game. I've I did not like the way he started this season the first couple of games, but he had a good game against Savior. But consistency in the backcourt is something I would really
2: like to see moving forward. Uh I personally did not like the way we played at all. It is it is a bit early like you mentioned, Andrew, so it's not a time to hit a panic button or anything like that but i think to start off the game there there was a lot of struggles in creating good shots at knocking down the open shots that they were getting and then they were also getting severely out rebounded out rebounded in the first half and that's just a recipe for disaster in any basketball game if you're getting out rebounded out hustled and you can knock down the shots you do have then it, the likelihood of you winning that game is going to diminish significantly and then towards the end of the game, it was just a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of turnovers that were very costly. And then just mental lapses that, that could uh, be prevented, but could also be a very good learning experience for the team. Yeah, uh, I remember as I was watching the game, one
1: thing that stood out to me, and this is a bit more technical, was on the defensive side of the ball the defenders, I say, weren't guarding top shoulder. So they were allowing Xavier to drive middle. As you saw in the beginning of the game, for those of you who watch, Xavier would beat them off the dribble and get some easy buckets. Then, on top of that, we weren't rebounding well defensively. Xavier was getting a lot of second-chance opportunities and overall, that stemmed from they just had more energy. I mean, from the crowd, from the players, you could see that they had more energy from the jump. And that hurt a lot. And if you can't obviously get your defensive rebounds, you can't play often. And then to make matters worse, in the first half, there's a lot of fouls. So we had – a DJ Liddell had to leave uh, a little over midway through the first half and then on top of that there was just an overall lack of urgency with the guard play as you can see from our guards uh, Branham and Wheeler Branham played 28 minutes and got 7 points Wheeler played 36 minutes and had 6 points but the the most striking thing is neither of them went to the foul line. Neither one of them were driving to creating opportunities, and you just can't do that against an Xavier team that's energized and pumped up. You gotta attack the paint. And as Andrew was saying, was that our guard play was not there. We need a bit more, uh bit more coming out coming off from them in order for this team to be good. I think they have potential to be good think they have a potential to be good so there was a lot of the uh, issues I think they can face defensively first guarding top shoulder uh driving them towards the baseline instead of giving them the foul line lane and then defensive rebounding those are two things if I was coach Holtman to focus on leading forward because you just need to be able to play defense in order to win in college basketball and this team is not a very offensive potent team you're not going to be scoring 80 points uh so you you just need to play defense solid defense and to help this team get rolling
0: i agree with you blaze i think the guards do need to become more comfortable with driving and trying to get into the paint Branham actually did did do it well a couple of times, but unfortunately wasn't great at finishing tonight. But that that will come with time. He is a true freshman, so we have to remember that as fans. Something else I noticed was I don't feel like throughout the game we gave Liddell enough touches in the paint. Now Xavier was trying very much to deny him the ball, so that was certainly part of it. But he is undeniably our number one scoring option. So even if he's not going to take the shot to at least draw the defense's attention away from where we're actually going to go with the ball, I think we need to get Liddell a little bit more involved with that. And last thing I'll say defensively is, once again this year, Ohio State is probably going to be Outsized in most of their matchups in the Big Ten, which is known for consistently having a lot of big bully centers. And our tallest player that gets regular, consistent minutes for us is going to be six foot eight. So, the size matchups will be something to see on a consistent basis this season.
1: And that's why you have to be able to defensive, rebound defensively right. well. If you don't have size, that's going to be tough. I think Xavier had this tall um, a tall center, and he was doing a pretty good job on Liddell. So, exactly. You just got to have, have to rebound.
2: You're going to have to hustle. I think the whole first half they were getting out hustle. They were losing every 50-50 ball. And uh, they let Xavier get a lot of offensive rebounds and that extra possessions, they start adding up and they start putting extra points on the board. And it's hard to play catch-up, especially when you're the visitor team. And yeah. then... Um, yeah, and then he, Oh, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. I was yeah. going to say, didn't you increase the tempo? Xavier was getting some easy buckets in
2: transition.
1: I mean, I don't yeah. remember I was getting any easy buckets in transition, yeah. not a lot.
2: Yeah, was, there was a lack of urgency to get the to get the team going, and then also the game started getting close towards the end. But I, I think we got pretty dominated. Honestly, Xavier missed a lot of good looks from three, and uh, it's gonna be hard to match to keep up with a team that's getting those good of a looks. I think they went five for twenty four from three, and they could have easily made another five of those. They were very good looks. So their yeah we can't rotations need to be there. Yeah, we can't play against
1: it like that against Duke because uh, that might be a massacre. <laughs> but <laughs> speaking of OSU, let's talk to a team that actually won. Let's talk about the Purdue massacre. As I said last week, I told y'all Purdue was not about to roll up to the shoe and give us a game. And you try to make it sound with all the analytical bites. He's like, actually, they may give us a game, you know. I mean, they got like this, they did this. They got, you know, they got like Kenneth Walker. They got like, uh, no, they have the bell guy. Nah. All we need is CJ Stroud, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And that defense, and we're straight the rest of the year.
0: And you can't say nothing. So, so <laughs> <he's> quiet. So <laughs> this this game, I, I'm happy. Obviously, as a Buckeye fan, this game was not as close as I anticipated. Our defense, our our defense did struggle a little bit, which I'm not excited about. But you also have to account for some inflated stats near the end of the game when the game was already out of hand. But I want to talk about C.J. Stroud in this game. He obviously put up big numbers, and the Purdue defense was certainly suspect at times and not playing their best game. But if you look at Stroud's stat line, he was 31 for 38 for 361 yards and five touchdowns. Thirty-one for thirty-eight is one of his better days completion percentage wise he's had this season. He didn't throw an interception and there weren't too many balls where he really had a bad throw. He did he did miss Chris Olave in the end zone in the first half and hit Wilson for a touchdown. The very nuts play, I believe. But this year, normally, Stroud has had a couple of bad incompletions each game where he's gotten a bit lucky and the defense hasn't been able to capitalize with an interception where they probably should have. But I don't really recall any bad throws by Stroud where the defense had a real legitimate shot at an interception. So I think Stroud had an exceptional game this past week.
2: Man, Chris Olave, David Bell, Johan Dodson, I don't want to hear it. The best player, the best receiver in college football is Garrett Wilson. Let's face it. Four touchdowns. The man was on a mission. He came back and reminded everybody who the best receiver in college football is. The dude is a complete monster. He torched the Purdue defense. They had no answer for him. The game was closed for like two minutes. I and mean, then they got out of hand. <laughs> Ohio State was a bulldozer. If I was Purdue, I would, I would have just stayed at West Lafayette. I wouldn't have even shown up. <laughs> it was, it was disgusting to look at. Man, the first half was ridiculous. Garrett Wilson well, ran all about over that them. Game was the weather? You said what? I well,
1: thing terrible about the game was the weather.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that Purdue defense was terrible too. <laughs> they weren't covering anybody. Hey man, that
1: was us not too long ago, Loki. Got Kerry Combs defense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't speak his name in this. Oh man, yeah.
0: You're right, Julio. Garrett Wilson obviously had a tremendous day. He had three three receiving touchdowns plus that one fade rushing touchdown, fifty yards. Yes, f- fifty-one yards actually. But something something that I would like <laughs> to point out is is that the Bolitnikov <laughs> finally really corrected <laughs> The Bolitnikoff finalists were just announced this past week, which is the receive the award for best wide receiver in the nation. And Chris Olave was the only Buckeye on that list, and I don't think that's fair. I think Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba are just as deserving to be on that finalist list. They all have great stats. It's a three-headed monster at receiver, and I'm. I'm proud that Olave is on that list because he's the senior of the bunch, but I think Wilson and and Jade Bush should have also been on that off list. I mean
1: I, I I was just reading somewhere where there's a chance that all three of them might have an a thousand yard season. Correct. It, I think yes, Jackson already yeah, got yeah, it Jack right. Jackson
0: already
2: has it. Yeah.
1: That's man, I don't know,
2: man. I think as much as we love Chris Olave, he's probably had the has had the worst season out of the three, if we're being honest. But
1: that's because CJ Stroud favors the other two, though. Yeah, he okay. favors
2: Garrett Wilson, the best receiver in college football. <laughs> first round draft pick, top fifteen draft pick. You heard it here first.
0: What what we've seen out of the passing attack, I think, is you 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 guys are right. Stroud does seem to favor Wilson and Njigba a little bit more on his regular pass plays, but I believe if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Alave is tied for first in the FBS in receiving touchdowns. So Stroud does tend to go to Alave Alave on some bigger plays to eventually put it into the end zone. We know Alave likes the out routes in the red zone; he's very good at that. So I think it's each each receiver has their own their own job in this room, which is good for our offense and makes it difficult to defend.
1: Okay, these Mister right, Now enough safety blanket. Now enough talking about the past, because you know, as Buckeyes, we're always looking to the stars, right? We're always looking for the next challenge. This nice. week, we have Michigan State. Coming to the shoe, I believe. Who what do you you expect out of this game, fellas? So now you can land here. He's gonna give you all the
0: technical So so (laughs) about halfway through the year when we saw that the East was going to be a battle between Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Mm -hmm. I was always a bit more worried. I wouldn't say scared, but worried about Michigan State because they do have an offense that can be explosive. And that's certainly the thing I'm most worried about in this game. Obviously, they have one of the best running backs in the nation with Kenneth Walker, and he can... Michigan State can have a game plan where they can just run with him and play keep away from Ohio State's number one offense which would probably be Michigan State's best chance at winning. But Michigan State has a very big Achilles heel in this game. We, We all know Ohio State has a great offense. It is literally the number one offense in the nation. And Michigan State is literally dead last in the nation in passing defense, which is not what you want to be which is not what you want to be when oh, you know we've oh, been talking is. about we have C.J. Stroud and the three-headed monster at receiver. So Michigan State is most likely going to have a long day, and the the only thing they may need to do is they are, I believe, tied for 13th in the nation in Team sacks. Ohio State is tied for 6th in the nation, by the way. But I really think that's Michigan State's only chance at slowing down the Buckeye offense is they need to try to put pressure on Stroud. But the offensive line had a, nice, had, had a nice bounce back game this weekend as Purdue. So hopefully they can play well again, keep the pocket clean for Stroud, and he can just eat up this
2: Michigan State defense. Man, the Buckeyes are going to put the world on notice this upcoming Saturday. CJ Stroud is going to have a field day. Garrett Wilson might go for another three touchdowns. It's not looking good for the Spartans, I'll tell you that. I think Ohio State has officially hit their stride. They're looking dangerous as ever, and they're looking like the best chance at keeping that title away from Georgia, man. And uh, another player I would like to shout out is Denzel Burke. He played very good against a top receiver in Bell. We mentioned it last week, how he was going to be the focal point of Purdue's offense. And for the most part, Denzel Burke shut him down. Keeping him, I think he only, he did have 100 yards, but the the coverage that Denzel Burke played on him was very solid. I'm very impressed with his performance the whole year. And that as long as he keeps growing, that this team is very dangerous and they're looking like a favorite to win the national playoffs.
1: Remember those three hundred Spartans that got massacred? <laughs> well, this Saturday's about to be fifty-three, bro. <laughs> it's over, bro, for the Spartans. We're hitting our stride. You just—they have the worst passing defense in all of FPS. I mean, we're talking UC in that conversation, UTSA, bro, is in that, and you last, bro. It's over. Right. This is about to be a field day for that three-headed monster. And I can't wait to see it. And I'm going to be sipping my Kool-Aid and (laughs) riding this wave all the way to the natty, bro. Give us Georgia. Give us Georgia. Give us
0: Georgia.
2: Anything else you want
0: to add, Andrew? I I think all that's need to be said has been said. Again, Michigan State's weakness in this game is the last thing they, they want to be weak in in their pass defense. So again, for if from a Spartan point of view, they would need to get pressure on Stroud. But I don't know how likely that is because we're also going to have uh, Trayvon Henderson in the backfield too keep them honest, and, oh, and I so think bad, Henderson man. could also put the nation on notice to, maybe not for national awards sake, but as far as talent, put him in the same conversation as Kenneth Walker this this upcoming weekend. Two of the best running backs in the nation are going to be playing in the horseshoe.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, as long as our, our defense performs how they've been performing, and as as long as they bench Bryson Chaw, we're going to win the game. <laughs> that boy looked terrible in coverage against Purdue. Can't guard <laughs> nobody. Couldn't <laughs> guard anyone in an empty parking lot.
1: <laughs> Michigan State might regret giving Mel Tucker $95 million. That's all I have to
0: say. He's had a very good no, season, though. No, Mel Tucker... In all honesty, should be the front runner for national coach of the year. This Michigan State team at the beginning beginning of the year was projected to be last in the Big Ten East. And they still, as of this moment, control their own destiny in the Big Ten. So Mel Tucker does deserve his flowers. He's done it very well this season for Michigan State.
1: Well, you... A lot more than Oklahoma. <laughs> you know who
2: doesn't deserve their flowers? Bryson Shaw. Jeez. You're just going going after him today. Yeah. Kind of how Purdue was going after him. (laughs) Well, we brought up this mention a little bit
1: earlier, but we have a Heisman showdown. C.J. Stroud and Kenneth Walker. How do you guys think that showdown is going to turn out?
0: Well, I already said that Stroud, if everything goes according to plan, should have another big day. He should probably have 300-plus passing yards, 2-plus TDs, I would hope. But I want to focus on Kenneth Walker for just a bit. He, I think barring anything catastrophic or God forbid an injury, Kenneth Walker will be a finalist in New York for the Heisman Trophy because he is a running back and he's had a tremendous year. But just to play devil's advocate, I 100% obviously want Ohio State to win the game this weekend. But I believe if Kenneth Walker has 100-plus yards and two-plus touchdowns and Michigan State beats Ohio State this weekend, it would be Kenneth Walker's Heisman to lose. I believe if Michigan State wins this game and Kenneth Walker not even has a great day but has has a solid day that Walker should be the absolute favorite for the Heisman. But again, I think Stroud is going to have a big game and Ohio State will come out on top. And but even with that, I don't think Walker should fall out of the picture completely. He's had a he's had a great year but I think he's going to have to have a big day for Sparty to pull off the upset this weekend.
2: Yeah, In all seriousness, Kenneth Walker has had a fantastic season. He's probably been the best running back in all of college football. He's carried this Michigan State further than what anyone expected. Like you mentioned, Andrew, there was very little expectations for this team in the preseason, but uh, Mel Tucker and Kenneth Walker, Turned the program around, and they've had a very respectable season. And um, like you mentioned, they still control their own destiny. They could give us a game. I doubt it. But um, it could be the case. But mentioning the, the Heisman battle, I'm really liking CJ Strauss' chances of taking home the Heisman. It would be a, a very good, significant accomplishment for him, someone that was heavily criticized at the beginning of the season, like we've mentioned mm-hmm. Heavily. Heavily. disrespected. (laughs) My man was booed in his first start. My man was booed off the stadium after losing to Oregon, even though he had a very good statistical game. And I think that's what's carrying CJ Stroud. I think even the games where we don't think he plays as good, the stats still look very, very good for him. And I think the the Heisman Trophy is actually going to come down to him and Bryce Young from Alabama, I think. Bryce Young has had a very good season as a whole. He's he's had to deal with Bill O'Brien being the offensive coordinator. <laughs> it's like shooting yourself in the leg already. Right. <laughs> as much as we hate Alabama, we have to give the flowers to Bryce Young. He's had a very good season and he's also carrying that Alabama offense, which looks a bit underwhelming at times. We got to give our prayers to Jordan Davis.
1: I'll say it again. <laughs> On the Georgia defense. And you hear the grumbling of the elitists, Andrew. But I am not an elitist. I am for the people. And Jordan Davis deserves his flowers. He's not going to get it, but he should be in that conversation. Now I'm turning into C.J. Stroud and Kenneth Walker. It should be a big day for Stroud. And Stroud should be at the top of the list after the game Uh, if we win and he has a good statistical game I believe Uh, Bryce Young I think there's just too many question marks to really put him uh, up there and really I think his big game would be Georgia and I'm not sure he will have a performance like uh, CJ will have against Michigan State Georgia defense is solid uh that that game I think will be a dog fight. But uh CJ Shroud I think for the next win this game, win against Michigan. It's just Heisman to lose. Uh you guys know how I feel about him. I I was on the bandwagon. It's left by the way, don't ask. But uh I was on the bandwagon since day one. And uh I think this will be a good game for him.
0: So so Blaze, I'm I knew I knew you would bring up the Jordan Davis argument again, and and I and I came prepared for it. So, <laughs> so I want to, I, I want you to take a guess. I want you to take a stab. How many total? Not not solo. How many total tackles do you think Jordan Davis has this season?
1: I would say this season he's had about somewhere between twenty twenty
0: five. Okay, well, you would have a very reasonable guess. He's had 23. So that was a very good guess. But my point is 23 tackles does not and should not win you the Heisman. The Heisman is and always will be a statistical award. And just for comparison, the leading tackler in the FBS has 122 total tackles so that is 99 more tackles than jordan davis has now i'm not saying that this it looks like san jose state player kyle Harmon should be getting some heisman love i'm saying jordan davis i'm saying jordan davis he should is. not be and this this is the real reason it Young, on a couple of years ago when he was in the Heisman race, had 16 and a half sacks. And to go on top of that, mostly with his sacks, had seven forced fumbles, is, which is what turns you into what Joel Klatt a lot said, a game wrecker. This year, so far, yes, there are a couple more games, but so far, Jordan Davis has a whopping, <clears throat> unbelievable, Two sacks. Jordan Davis should not be getting any Heisman consideration if he has only two sacks. Now, I'm going to throw some stats back at
1: you. Okay. So, now we're going to be comparing Davis on the field versus Davis off the field. On the field of 155 snaps, yards per play have been 2.7. Yards of a 10th have been 3.5. Quarterback contact percentage, 40%. D- Davis off the field, 253%. 4.1 yards per play. Yards per pass attempt, 59 QB contact, 34%. This man changes the game. He changes the game. I don't – okay, fine. He doesn't have eye-popping stats. But they – he's different of tackle. So – but anyways, that's different from defensive end that Jake Jones is playing. Anyway, they're just two different body types. But he changes the way teams play. And that's what we call an impact player. Now, I know. I mean, Steve Nash won the MVP, bro. And he hasn't even had the most impressive stats. It was great. I really was about to get on this. Are, Maybe Are we
0: completely
2: switching it, sports right now?
0: No, I'm just saying that. Stats.
2: Don't bring <laughs> up Steve Nash's MVP, bro. It saying. was Shaq's. I'm, I'm just saying, impact
1: matters. Now, what is the Heisman? Is it the MVP? Is it not really? It's more so because if it was an MVP, it would equally put offensive and defensive players. It's not really the MVP. So he's not going to get. It. I agree with you, but he should be
0: recognized as a top player he, he he should be recognized as a top player and he will be he will be recognized in a lot of defensive award watch lists and may <coughs> win a couple of them i believe he's a finalist at least for the Outland award which normally consists of just offensive linemen but he he's the only defensive lineman finalist on that award list they know. They know. That, that, so, that, so that is because they're real ones they know so that is well deserved but I want your guys' opinions besides we've talked about Stroud versus Walker this upcoming Saturday who are your other who are some other Heisman players that you think deserve a little bit more love or you think have an, a, a real outside shot of squeaking in and potentially winning the Heisman
2: Well, I think besides CJ and Kenneth Walker, like I mentioned before, I think Bryce Young has the best chance outside of those two to win it. He might have the best chance overall to win it. But uh, other people that might get some love is Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Or even Travion Henderson th- deserves some love. Forget the Jordan Davis love. We already know what he is, man. Travion Henderson, as a freshman, comes in and immediately asserts himself in the starting lineup. And like I have mentioned before, he was our best player throughout the beginning of the season. So I'm gonna give Travion some love. Um yeah, I
1: think you see racing Matt Corral, right? Yeah, Matt Corral has uh, had a
2: very good season.
1: Uh I think Kenneth Peckett from um University of uh believe Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, he's been having a pretty strong year. Kind of uh kind of a year reminding me of uh Matt Jones type, you know, the the guys that don't play much and then or they play, but then the senior year kind of Joe Burrow bit, you know, they, they uh they go a long way with it, you know, to figure out the game. Uh I think uh he was um uh oh, he's a he's a good sort of not only dark horse, but he's good to mention in, in, in uh in there. And this would have been a good take before they lost, but Caleb Williams was having was balling out. Um, then we know what happened to Baylor, so we can't really put him in there. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Caleb Williams was balling out. Um, seemed he was going to be a, a good um, a little, a little dark horse there. But uh, as we know, um, Oklahoma isn't respected by... Us, nor the playoff community um playoff community. So
2: they sure <laughs> just have respected now. <laughs>
1: so um
0: uh, that's what that's what I would say. Um can can he pick it Yeah obviously Matt Corral has been near the top of the Heisman list for most of the season. What's really gonna hurt him I think is he doesn't he doesn't have much to play for for the rest of the year. Olmes might get to a, a New Year's Six Bowl, which would be very impressive for that program. But as far as winning championships, Bryce Young, Kenneth Walker, CJ Stroud, they still have all of that in front of them, which is why I don't think Corral is really going to have a shot at winning the Heisman because he does have impressive stats. But unlike some past years where the Heisman winner wasn't on a national championship competing team, but had incredible stats. Corral hasn't really separated himself from Bryce Young or CJ Stroud that much in the stat department right now. So I I don't really see a scenario where Corral will end up winning the Heisman. And I agree with you, Julio. I think Henderson, Trayvon Henderson should get a little bit more Heisman love. I know he probably won't, and I'm not even sure if I would personally put him in as a finalist, but I think one of the the things that's most impressive about his freshman year is he just doesn't have a bulk of the carries or a bulk of the touches because a lot of the time when he does get the ball, he, he goes all the way down the field, and we were in a number of early blowouts and he didn't need to be on the field anymore. So something that's been really impressed with him is he's done a lot of damage and not that many touches this year.
2: Well,
1: we're reaching the end, but very quickly, I'm going to shout out some games this week. Just to see who you guys are going to think to say, who you think, um, Nebraska, Wisconsin.
0: Wisconsin will probably win that game. Wisconsin is the only team in the Big Ten West that controls their own destiny to get to Indianapolis? I'll
2: take Nebraska to contradict Andrew. Okay,
1: I'll take Nebraska. Just I just want them to win a game. It's so close. Oregon <laughs> or Utah?
2: Upset alert.
0: <laughs> I I I think this is besides OSU, MSU. Obviously, the best game of the, the weekend. And, yeah, I think Utah is an underrated team, and they'll, they'll pull off the upset against Oregon. Give me Utah. I, I agree. I think
1: if Oregon wins out, they'll basically you play Utah twice. Not sure they'll beat them twice, uh, but uh, I agree. Utah.
0: Our good all.
1: Oklahoma versus Iowa State.
0: Man, I, 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 want, I want to say Iowa State because I'm not a big fan of Oklahoma. And I do think there's a real shot Oklahoma loses again. But I think it's more likely to happen next week in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. I think Lincoln Riley will get his team up and moving again this week to beat the Cyclones. But then I believe he will struggle the following week against the Cowboys. All
1: right, and the last one we'll go with, let's see, Wake Forest
0: or Clemson? Wake Forest. I think this is a very underrated game this week. Some people may not realize Clemson still has a shot to win their division and make it to the ACC championship. There is still statistically a possibility for that, but... I, I, like, I like Wake in this game. Wake is still a team people forget about, maybe not likely, but still very much in playoff conversation. And with a win this week, I believe Wake would clinch a spot in the ACC championship, if I'm not mistaken. Do
1: you PSA do and Cincinnati remain undefeated after
2: this
0: week? Oh, that's a good one. U- UTSA got scared this past week. I don't remember who they played. I want to say Southern Miss, but they they play a 7-3 and three UAB team this week. So they could potentially get another scare.
1: All right. Cincinnati, MSU.
0: And SMU will be Cincinnati's toughest game this this regular season besides obviously a game against Notre Dame so Cincinnati should be careful that should be a good game alright well thank you listeners
1: this was the third episode of the podcast we appreciate you coming back and uh, look forward to the episode four next week thanks
2: shout out Gary Wilson again man